The human heart, the human mind, and the human spirit are incredible. They can break through unimaginable obstacles and create solutions that go far beyond what most of us conceive as possible. We are dedicating this hour to the celebration of the human heart, mind, and spirit by speaking with the filmmaker of a truly unimaginably incredible film called Landfill Harmonic, a new tone of opportunity and hope. Here today on An Organic Conversation, your show on everything that makes life worth living. I'm Helge Helberg. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. Over the past five years that this show has been airing, we had the great fortune to speak about some of the most innovative initiatives, projects, nonprofits, books, and people working to solve some of the greatest challenges we face and offering hope in times when hope is so desperately needed. Today we are talking with the executive producer of a remarkable documentary that is right now making its round throughout the U.S. and beyond, Landfill Harmonic, a new tone of hope and opportunity, our topic today. And we are starting the show off with our week's review. As Sita. we always do, <laughs> yes. And actually, I want to talk about something, Helga, that you brought up in conversation recently that was so fascinating to me. So there was a study done at Duke University. They wanted to see what they could find out about the secret of the aging process. Oh, yes. And what they did was they attempted to calculate biological age rather than chronological age. And they looked at things like the health of the kidney and the liver, the function of the immune system, cholesterol, cardio fitness, dental health, et cetera, et cetera, and, and measured you know, how IQ had changed and whether people were getting winded as they were climbing stairs. There were a lot of things that they looked into. The fascinating thing that came out of this, particularly in the 30s, 38-year-old range, the people who they tested at that age group, their biological ages, based on these factors that they studied, ranged from 30 years old to 60 years old. And what they found was that for some people with these specific factors they were measuring, they were actually aging the equivalent of two to three years worth of changes in a single calendar year. <laughs> this this is mind-blowing. My, my criticism about the article that I read, because I think that there's so much that can be taken out of this information, and this is very new. It's very enlightening. There's a lot that can be done. But they don't yet talk about what could be contributing to the wide range of biological age that somebody is having. But the, the implications for disease prevention as they're able to isolate what those factors are and address them at younger and younger age in a preventative way could really change the future of health. Yeah, secret of the aging process, Duke University, if you care to look it up. Fascinating, really, honestly astonishing that the biological age of somebody We're talking twice as old, right? They uh, tested yeah. a few thousand people. The 38-year-old group ranged from 30 to 60. That is twice as age, 30 to 60. That's amazing. And 
There are studies, I'm sure they, they're now looking into what contributes to it, but there are lots of studies that we know, you know, cellular damage, uh, sun exposure, alcohol, caffeine, an unhealthy diet, just the entire world of lifestyle, then there's genetics. So figuring out what contributes more. Uh, we had somebody on the show a few months ago that says, well, just because you have the gene in your family doesn't mean that it needs to express itself. Mm. You can live with a gene you know, a cancer gene your entire life and it never actually expresses itself. The lifestyle question is a big one and and we know smoking and alcohol and all the things that are healthy and all the things that are unhealthy, now we would need to look into a deeper level of that study and say, okay, which one is it really? And is it is it a one answer for everyone or how individual is it? Because we know people who have smoked their entire lives who are in their 90s. So it's an absolutely fascinating finding. It's amazing the range from 30 to 60. And yeah, we're going from here now. <laughs> mm-hmm. But so interesting, so well, interesting. And while they try and uncover what actually does contribute to that diverse range, Uh, What we know works, fresh air, low stress, moving your body, eating healthy food. And lots of water and good company. Good company. (laughs) Exactly. Go with what you know (laughs) is really healthy. Um, You know, some mental, I mean, we have physical body, mind, yoga, whatever kind of practice you want to include, some meditation, just a walk, sitting on the bench. We know the low stressors. We do. And, you know, however much you incorporate them, just 30 years is really young, 60 years is basically looking at retirement and it's the same age group of people that's they were all 38 fascinating year olds. it's mm-hmm. so fascinating thank you for yeah. bringing no, thank that you back for up. Bringing it yes up. thank me <laughs> great our focus in this hour is an amazing new documentary landfill harmonic setting a new tone of opportunity and hope that's what we're talking about in this hour that and more when we come back right after the break stay tuned Are you a chef, have a catering business, or planning a party, or simply just love organic produce? If you're in the San Francisco Bay Area, walk right in to Earl's Organic Produce. Anyone can buy directly from us at wholesale prices. You don't have to be a natural food store to enjoy the freshest and most delicious organic produce. We are located on the San Francisco Produce Market at 2101 Gerald Avenue. We look forward to seeing you. Walk-in hours are Monday through Friday throughout the night from 10 p.m. to 10 a.m. Minimum purchase is one box or flat, cash or checks only. For more information, visit earlsorganic.com. Fry Vineyards is America's first organic winery, family-owned and operated since 1980. Dedicated to the highest levels of organic and biodynamic farming, Fry never adds synthetic sulfites or other preservatives to their wines. Fry organic and biodynamic wines include delicious Cabernet Sauvignon, Zinfandel, Syrah, Chardonnay, and Sauvignon Blanc. Fry Vineyards Mendocino County award-winning wines without added sulfites. Available at grocery stores and online at frywine.com. That's F-R-E-Y-W-I-N-E.com. And we're back here to an organic conversation. I'm Hege Helberg. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. What's coming up? We're speaking with the producer of a documentary about the story of how to make something beautiful out of trash. Literally. It is so inspiring and moving, and you got to hear it. But before we dive into this topic fully, as always, here's the update from the world of health and beauty. Sitarani Palomar, a.k.a. Chef Sita, and her holistic Bite. Well, I recently put together an article for our good friends at Credo Beauty on the 50 
best ways to use coconut. And it didn't just isolate coconut oil, although a lot of it does circle around coconut oil, but we looked at health and beauty ways to enjoy this amazing superfood. And we we had a great show with Dr. Bruce Fife, who's one of the foremost experts on coconut a handful of years ago that we've rerun so many times because it is a favorite and the information continues to be as potent and relevant as it is. So what I want to do is just highlight for you a couple of the things that make coconut so special. You can always go to that episode, Coconut Health or Harvest, for a full hour on the topic. But coconut itself has so many health benefits. It's an antioxidant. It is hydrating and emollient, which means that when you talk about using it topically, it helps to make your skin more elastic and strengthen your hair. It's also very soothing and conditioning. And because it's a sustainable crop that is hardly ever grown without chemical fertilizers, this is something that is very healthy for the planet. So we're talking about good for our body inside and out and good for the planet as well as the people who are doing it because this is a livelihood. It's bringing a lot of economic empowerment to places that don't have as many opportunities. So coconut is something that you can enjoy many different ways. Like I said, we've got 25 ways for enjoying it in your health and how you eat it and drink it and use it in all kinds of things like coconut water, for example, which its pH is so similar to that of the plasma of our blood. It has been used in times of crisis over the centuries in different locations around the world for blood transfusion and to help people who are recovering. So there there are a million things that you can use. We've isolated 25 of our favorites and you can take a look at some really great recipes and also some wonderful DIY things you can do to make moisturizers and masks and hair detanglers. And there are an endless number of things you can do with healthy ingredients. And this is a feature that we hope you'll enjoy. You'll find it on anorganicconversation.com and on credobeauty.com. And that's this week's Holistic Bite. Thank you, Sita. Yes, it's one of those all-purpose, you know, we talked about aloe vera in previous shows, and I love how you pull these superfoods, whether they're they're really nutritious and to be ingested or used any other way or both in most cases, topically, ingestively, coconut is one of those. You know, it makes a lot of sense to me that the things that you eat and put in your body have benefits outside of your body as well. And coconut is just a brilliant one. And like I said, it's not just coconut oil. It's also coconut milk and coconut water. And just, you know, if you're interested in finding out what's so good about it, pick a handful of these and see which work really well and let us know and share it with your friends. And we'll get people feeling really empowered by the holistic healthy, comprehensive beauty that the natural world affords us. Yes, thank you. That's Sita Rani Palaman, her holistic bite. <laughs> Landfill harmonic, a new tone of opportunity and hope. Our focus in this hour, an amazing new documentary that it's making its way through the United States and far beyond as the story really touches everyone around the world. And with us now are two people most intimately involved in the making of the movie, Juliana Pinaranda Loftus, the producer and co-director, and Brad Allgood, the director and editor, who's joining us from Scottsdale, Arizona and Los Angeles, respectively. Do we have both of you on the line somehow? Yes, I'm here. This is Brad. <laughs> Thank you, Brad. Juliana, do we have you too? Hi, everybody. Yes, I'm here. I'm here from... Welcome to the program. Wonderful. Well, we were invited to participate in the Green Film Festival in San Francisco a month ago about, and there were several movies shown, and you guys won the 
viewer choice award or whatever it is is exactly called and they were really amazing movies in in different genres but i must say that out of all the documentaries i've ever seen yours is a celebration of the human spirit and the human mind bringing it really to a completely new level. So first of all, thank you for, for making this film and congratulations on how it turned out. There must have been a lot of production. It's over a fairly long time. It feels like it's too short of a movie for me. It's that beautiful. Can you tell us the story of Landfill Harmonic? Landfill Harmonic is the story of the recycled orchestra of Cateoda, and it, the film follows their journey of transformation from very humble beginnings through their rise to international stardom. You know, it's basically a testament to the transformative power of music. And as you mentioned earlier, the resilience of the human spirit in the, in the face of great odds. So we're talking about a community that literally lives next to a landfill, always has. And that's their only uh, source of income. And somehow... Uh, somebody started to make instruments. Where did that need come from? Juliana, you want to you want to take this one? Sure. Uh, okay. Well, back in the, in 2006, that's when they actually started. Fabio got to uh, work on Cateura. He was working with garbage management there, and he saw many kids going to work with their parents, and he came up with the idea of starting a small music program for these kids. Well, they hear, the kids and the families heard about it, and they had many kids. He couldn't, they had so many kids that he had to come up with an idea of, okay, I need more musical instruments. How can I get those? And that's when he came up with the idea of making instruments from trash to cover that need. So what really started as a recycling oversight or, or recycling management program that was supposed to be installed turned into a music program for the kids who often help in the landfill recycling recyclable materials that then will be sold really again as the only income of the community living around the landfill. Not much hope there. Um, the, the river that runs through that community is heavily polluted and it's just a pretty desolate place as one can imagine and yet somehow this recycle program the person who was who was overseeing that turned it into an opportunity to to build instruments that then turn into a little music school and the story went from from there and we want to talk about of course the development of of that more but how did you hear about this initiative when did you first come across that and felt this is exactly what we need to cover this is amazing i want to be part of it Sure. Uh, well, the first time that we heard about the story of the Recycle Orchestra was back in April of 2009, when Alejandra Marilla, the founder and executive producer of the project, and I traveled to Paraguay to do a research trip in order to find a story. Uh, Alejandra is actually from Paraguay, and uh, she contacted me as she wanted to, do, to make a documentary that would raise awareness about the condition of the, of the kids who live in poverty in Paraguay and who had very little hope to live to get out of poverty. Uh, on the other hand, I was, I was also looking to do a meaningful project where I could use film as a, as a tool for social change. So that's when, when I accept the challenge. And so it was during that trip of 2009 when we found this story, and of course we both fell in love with it and continue from there. Brad, what moved you personally to get involved in this film? 
I was brought on as an editor sort of later in the process. Juliana and Alejandra had been working on the project for over three years when when I was brought on the project. And I initially started as editor. And as the project evolved, the story kept evolving along with it. I mean, this, as you can see in the film, it just keeps growing and growing and growing. I was first what moved me. I saw the teaser before I became involved in the project. I think the teaser... Uh, a lot of people, you know, across the world were inspired by it. So I already knew about the project and was was super excited when I was hired um, as an editor. So it was the, I guess, the spirit of the kids who were just amazing people, the ingenuity and resourcefulness of Fabio and Cola, two of the main characters in the film, and then just the families in the community who were so welcoming and and warm. I was able to meet them so many times over the course of. The, the edit and then also in production and then on some of their concerts and tours. Uh, but it's just their spirit and their warmth and they're just a wonderful, amazing people. So I think that is what has really inspired me is, is uh, are the characters in the film. Yeah, there's something, you know, with creative projects where everything comes together sometimes. And I'm not saying this was by any means an easy project, but it feels when you watch it as a viewer, uh, there's a lot of synchronistic beauty like everyone kind of inspired one another it just feels right it's it's a really complete picture that you were able to create out of that and just if people have never heard of this again we're talking about landfill harmonic a new documentary that is making its way through the united states to film festivals and hopefully to a movie theater near you soon It follows the story of a recycling project manager that started a small music school that didn't have enough instruments for a community that was dependent on the landfill as their only source of income. And then starting to build instruments out of trash, which don't sound like a Stradivari violin, but played with as much love and built with as much love, ended up being an entire orchestra that then got to travel the world. These kids actually got to travel the world. And we are literally talking about the world at this point, right? Didn't the orchestra get invited to multiple uh, conferences pretty much all around the globe? That is correct. After we released the teaser in 2012, the orchestra started getting uh, invitations from different countries. That was a challenge for the production because we also tried to keep up with you know the invitations <laughs> that we're getting. Sure. And uh, it was uh, really exciting. It was like a Cinderella story for the orchestra, but as well as for us, you know, as filmmakers. And so the the story really took following up the whole process of the orchestra it took five years in production which is amazing because you can't predict those things you can't know who's inviting you you can't know who will get a visa who will get a passport the movie shows how these kids who have never seen the ocean being a, a landlocked country and then seeing the ocean for the first time being invited dealing with passport issues etc etc you did not know that when you started the production so amazing to stay on that for five years and also then seeing the full involvement the orchestra gets invited by bands that they befriend on facebook really international acts and get invited to play with them on massive stages in front of a hundred thousand people those things you can't really plan for as a filmmaker and there's a, a flood at the end through rain that 
kind of spreads the landfill out further and creates really a hardship for the community. And yet this orchestra is is the remaining light of hope in that time. Those things you can't really plan as a filmmaker at all. And, and yet the story that came out of it, all this really contributed to an even more powerful message. Brad, how, how were you dealing with that as an editor when you, over five years, you actually have no idea what you're working with? <laughs> That's a great question. You know, the story was evolving at a very rapid pace after Julian and Alejandro released the teaser in 2012 and early 2013. And like she mentioned, the, the invitations started flooding in and you can't really prepare for what's going to happen. Just Just recently, for example, just to sort of add to the previous question, they received an invitation to play for the Pope, for Pope uh, Francisco as he traveled throughout <laughs> South America. And I think it was just last wow. week or, or the week before. Yeah. Um, they were able to meet him, and they, some of the, the young girls in the orchestra actually gave him a recycled violin. So their message and the, their story has reached you know, everyone, literally, in the world. But as an editor, you know, we, we were close to, to finishing the film last year when the flood happened and we didn't know if that was something that we wanted to include in the film or not and we were getting getting really close to finishing and, and we made a very difficult decision to to cover it and didn't know if it would fit with the story but uh as you mentioned just a, just a few minutes ago that it it really does show how the orchestra has become the cultural centerpiece for the community and provides a source of hope and inspiration even in the most difficult of times. And that was incredibly just powerful to witness and film. And, and I think, you know, it really uh, increases the level of, of the film. You know, it, makes, it makes it all more real and, and important. Yeah, it's one of the most literal transformations from out of the ashes, or in this case, out of the trash, into really the, the, the span you're covering from trash, which is maybe you know one of the the worst signs of human existence on the planet is that we have not figured out how to deal with our end product in that sense and then turning that into a worldwide inspiring phenomenon based on music which is you know amongst all arts i was a previous musician for me one of the most beautiful expressions of the human kindness and love and and spirit so you are covering the one of the greatest distances from the the worst to the best of of humanity in one movie and with that flood that sets in at the end of the movie again we are going to one of the most desperate times of a community where they lose everything and yet what remains is their spirit and the music and the program they created and that's it seems like that has become the heartbeat The, the heartbeat through the movie is beauty and what the human mind can achieve. And I wish it was eight hours long. It's, it's rare that I feel like I want to see it again right away. It's an amazing film. And we're talking about Landfill Harmonic. It's landfillharmonicmovie.com. On the phone with us from Los Angeles is Brad Allgood, the director and editor, and Juliana Penaranda Loftus, the producer and co-director who's joining us from Scottsdale, Arizona. Stay with us, guys. Um, we have a lot more questions about w how people have been inspired by the film. You traveling now through film festivals, again, People's Choice Award in San Francisco at the Green Festival. You got our vote completely there, of course. And Thank we'll you. be right back after the break. We'll take a quick break. You're listening to an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. And I'm Sita Rani Palomar. Stay tuned for more. 
Are you interested in making healthy food your profession? Bowman College is a leader in the field of holistic nutrition and culinary arts. Their professional training programs prepare individuals for successful careers as nutrition consultants and natural chefs. Study at one of four locations in California and Colorado or learn from home in a self-paced mentor distance learning program. Find out more about their classes on holistic nutrition and culinary arts at bowmancollege.org. That's B-A-U-M-A-N college.org. Produce is ever-changing, seasons coming and going. At Earl's Organic, we have been sourcing solely organic produce for over 20 years. Since 1988, Earl's Organic Produce has been establishing strong relationships with growers and developing a deep understanding of the seasons, so you can offer the most delicious organic produce to your customers, staff, and clients year-round. For organic produce, visit Earl's Organic Produce at earlsorganic.com. That's earlsorganic.com. And we're back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. We're talking about a new documentary that it's making its round through the United States and really around the world, and you shall not miss it. It's called Landfill Harmonic in this hour on a new tone of opportunity and hope. We're speaking with the two people who were most intimately involved in the making of the film, Brad Allgood, the director and editor over the course of five years who put this movie together, who's joining us from Los Angeles, California, and Juliana Penaranda Loftus, the producer and co-director, who's calling in from Scottsdale, Arizona. So before we went to the break, you were talking about your decision to go back and film a flood and, and the after effects of a flood that happened in this community. And I'm so I'm so appreciative that you did. There was a really touching moment in that where the, the gentleman in the community who actually makes the recycled instruments, goes to his home and finds the templates that he's been using to build these instruments. And this is such, this is so fascinating. And this is a piece that until you see it, it's really hard to understand. But we would love to give people a sense of what they did to create fully functioning musical instruments out of trash that they recycled from this landfill. Can one of you tell us about that process? What did they use? How did they construct it? And then what did it sound like? And we're talking tunable instruments like violin and cello, things, you know, not like a one string bass, but sophisticated instruments out of trash and metal cans. I can handle this and then uh, pass it off to Juliana if she has anything to add. So the in the, in the film, you see that they have essentially created an entire orchestra out of garbage. They have made violins from these square-shaped uh, paint cans and a baking tin as the base of, or sort of the body of the violin. They use pallet wood for the neck, and the, the cellos are made out of oil drums. The basses are made out of oil drums. The drums are made out of recycled x-rays and plywood. And the wind instruments are made out of drain pipes and buttons, and the keys are made out of buttons and bottle caps and coins and spoons and just all sorts of interesting items. Um, and, you know, they're, they're functional instruments, but they're also, in their own right, pieces of art. 
the initial idea of creating instruments was to imitate traditional formal European uh, instruments. However, over the course of experimentation, which was which took several years, they realized that the instruments themselves have their own resonant qualities. That while they more or less sound like their traditional counterparts, they're also very unique. They're they have a, a more metallic sound. It's a bit harsher, a bit brasher, and the instruments are very difficult to stay in tune to, to keep in tune. Any change in humidity, any change in temperature, and they all go out of tune. So, the, so they're actually far more difficult to play than their than regular instruments. So it takes a higher level of skill and a higher level of dedication to play these instruments than it does regular instruments. And that's something that w- is so touching that I also took away. And it was the way that this orchestra conductor helped these young students understand just what they were learning and that they weren't, you know, the, the, the quality of the sound that was coming out of the instrument had to do with their quality of musicianship as opposed to their instruments. And really, from that moment when they first started working with these recycled instruments started to teach them that you are not the sum of what you've been given, but what you do with what you've been given. And that that the team spirit, like we, they, the, the, the orchestra will only be as good as as the team spirit connects them all. That yes, you have to do your best to be your portion, but really the sound is the entire orchestra. So there is this sense of community that is being communicated throughout the movie and really in every orchestra where you contribute the best you can to something much larger than yourself. And it seems like that life lesson really has impacted uh, those, those kids and particularly those girls that are featured in the movie. Being with them for, for five years, Juliana, how have you seen their evolution? Well, the, the process was really amazing. You know, you didn't know if the kids were going to be able to commit to being part of, uh, of the orchestra. The evolution, uh, it's incredible. They just didn't change as musicians. They change as members of a community. I think uh, now that you, you watch the film, you can tell that how they expressed themselves, you know, at the beginning of the film and then how much they grew through these five years and how they expressed about, them, you know, the progress, uh, the families and the community and what they have achieved by the end of the movie, you know. So seeing them growing as musicians and, and human beings, that was, that was really amazing for all of us. Well, you can tell by the way we've been talking about it that we were significantly impacted. We we were so touched by this. We would love to hear from all of the screenings that you've done and all of the responses you've gotten from people who've written in to tell you about this. How have you seen the film inspire people around the world? We premiered the film this year in March at South by Southwest in Austin and won the audience award there. So we The film, from the first screening, uh, had a very solid reception. We we won the Inspiring Lives Award also at the San Francisco Green Film Festival, and Fabio and the orchestra have received an award from Mountain Films, the Moving Mountains Award, for leadership in a community. Um, the film is also just, you know, after every screening, people are so inspired by the kids and want to see the orchestra and want to meet them. And Juliana can certainly speak to the reception that they were receiving as they were making the film. Uh, they received, I don't even know how many thousands of emails over the course of the years of people who were interested. So I'm, I'm curious to hear you know, some of the more, the more interesting feedback she got. 
Yeah, Huljana, can you talk about um, the interface between the film and the actual orchestra? Like, what has happened for them? How do you work with them now that the film is out and making its rounds? Are you kind of co-managing the process of the, the orchestra traveling more than ever? What, what's what's happening there? Sure. Well, initially, when we started getting the, the invitation, we really helped them, especially, you know, to put together the the first invitations, reviewing agreements and getting them up to speed with, with what they needed to ask, you know, an organization. But now, actually, Fabio has been uh, very diligent about following up with all the invitations. We, of course, help them. Um, right now, uh, we're working with them on putting together a tour in the U.S. in November of this year. So sometimes it's a collaboration, you know, when they need help, we're always there to support. But now um, the older kids have also been learning for Fabio. So they're trying to be self-sufficient uh -huh. about every time they get a, uh, an invitation and when when they can do it, when some of the invitations require a lot of English and, you know, we help them to go to the agreements or to talk directly with the organizations and be that bridge. And they are receiving a lot of the invitations through the film because the film, people are seeing the film at festivals and they were like, oh, now that we saw it at the festival, can we bring the orchestra to our, our community? What would that take? So we are still working together closely, but um, they can also be reached directly. We also still in direct contact with the parents' association to uh, help them through the programs and analyzing, okay, we got this donation, what can we do with that donation, you know, but they're doing a lot of the hand lifting while we, the, the, the filmmakers, are trying to secure the distribution of the film. Sure, and it's it, you can already see in the movie that the older children are now teachers for even younger kids to learn instruments, and it's it seems like it's way beyond a documentary, it's way beyond a music project. Uh, not just the emotional impact that it that it has on people around the world and in that community, but it is really a, a, a source now. It's a it's a movement. It's an agency. It's a I don't even know how to put it in in just a couple of words. It seems like it's a completely new part of that community that was again entirely dependent on the landfill. It has now an active and fast growing worldwide recognized program in place that employs and includes dozens and dozens and hundreds of people. Can you feel the impact on that as an employer in that sense, as, as a completely new form of, of work center uh, in that community? Yes, absolutely, actually. We are very humble to say that we receive emails from all over the world, from different organizations. We're really a tiny, small team. And so we're trying to keep up with all the emails that we get from different schools, colleges, uh, universities, or um, music and religious organizations. They want to share the message of the orchestra and share the message of the film with their audiences. So um, they want to help spread the word, you know, that people can do a lot with very limited sources. And in addition to that, they also want to start their own program. So sure. Fabio had already started Uh, we're working in collaboration with uh, organizations in Spain, in Mexico, Colombia, you know, like different countries right now. He's traveling to the Dominican Republic to also talk to different communities and, and to play. The orchestra will be playing there. So it's really affecting a lot of people and that's very inspiring for us. 
It doesn't surprise me in the least that people who have seen this and seen what is now possible just with a tremendous amount of imagination and and dedication to be able to create beautiful sounding instruments out of out of trash out of things that could be recycled that that there are people who want to replicate this model for their community as well right again we are speaking with brad allgood the director and editor of landfill harmonic who's joining us from los angeles and juliana penaranda loftus the producer and co-director who's calling in from scottsdale arizona about Landfill Harmonic, a movie about the evolution of an orchestra that uses recycled instruments from a landfill turned into a symphonic orchestra that travels around the world. I hope I pronounced that uh, town right from Catuera. Is that? Catuera? Yeah. In, close. <laughs> Catuera in Paraguay, which is a landlocked country in South America. And the journey of those young orchestra mates and fellows to travel the world and find themselves in the world in the process. Brad, I want to end with with a question for both of you, but I would like for you to start. How has this movie changed you? Oh, that's a great question. You know, working on the film for such a long time, you know, the docu- making documentary films can be a daunting process. It's it's like running multiple marathons how it's changed me is just you know seeing the resilience and the resourcefulness and the ingenuity and the just the spirit of the characters in the film and the members of the community who have overcome such great odds and an unfortunate situation in life and i think favio actually says it best towards the end of the film with one of his closing lines where he says to have nothing is not an excuse to do nothing You know, we can all do our part as individuals to make the world a better place. So I think, you know, just taking that message and trying to just remember it and apply it in my daily life has been one of the greatest takeaways that I've had from the film. That's beautiful. Um, thank you for sharing that. Juliana, how is it for you? Yeah, I second that. Um, after meeting Fabio, I think I became more resourceful. Every time that we faced an issue uh, with different I personally look for different options to to solve it, you know, and, and to be creative about that. And that especially really helped during the production of this film because, you know, every year we didn't know how we were going to be able to pull it off the next year, you know, uh, to keep continuing following the orchestra. So sure. I think uh, that personally it, it applies to my personal life. It also applies to the documentary production where, We have to work with very limited sources and make things work out at the end by being creative and, and resourceful. So I learn a lot from, from Fabio and the kids of the orchestra. Yeah, that's so great. To have nothing is not an excuse for doing nothing. I love that. Thank you both. Um, Now, before we let you go, big of plug. course, people can go to Landfill, L-A-N-D-F-I-L-L, LandfillHarmonicMovie.com. How else can they see the film? Is it available for purchase and streaming? Or what are the ways that people can, can see this? Right now, the film is doing the festival round. So if you want to see this, if you want to have the film at your festival or if you want to have private screenings, you can email us at info at landfillharmonic.com. We are in, currently in the process of, of securing distribution. So for any updates of where the film is going to be screened and when the film is going to be commercially released, please visit our website and also 
our Facebook page, uh, Land Philharmonic Movie. Okay, great. We, we hope to release the film by the end of this year. And if people want to contribute in an in, in additional way, um, are you having a crowdfunding campaign still, or what is the? How do you make ends meet? Correct. So if somebody wants to make a donation that goes towards the orchestra, they can go to uh, Go Campaign and find Go Campaign is the organization, the nonprofit that we partner with, and they help the orchestra manage some of the social work projects in Catedra. And, or supervise those projects, and you could make a donation through their website, Go Campaign, and look under the Recycle Orchestra project. Perfect. Well, thank you both so much for your work, for your dedication, for sticking with it for five years following the development of that orchestra and what it has done. It's a true gift to humanity around the world. And yeah, congratulations again for such an amazingly impactful film. That's Brad Allgood, the director and editor, and Juliana Penaranda Loftus, the producer and co-director of Landfill Harmonic, landfillharmonicmovie.com, the website. Thank you both for joining us today. Right, thank, thank you, Hale. Thank you, Sita. Thank you both. Take care. Pleasure. Bye. Take care. Wonderful. That was Wonderful. An, an interview on Landfill Harmonic in this hour of a celebration of the human heart, mind, and spirit. And if it was ever captured, it is captured in this documentary, making its round through film festivals right now, but hopefully coming to movie theaters of all kinds of shapes and sizes, but definitely the independent one soon. Landfill Harmonic, not to be missed. You're listening to An Organic Conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. Switching gears now, returning to the field, healthy produce. Here's what's in season. And with us now, of course, as always, the voice of the San Francisco produce market, Mr. Organic, Mr. Earl Herrick of Earl's Organic Produce. Earl, are you there? What's in season? Uh, <laughs> that's what we're calling Earl is you. in season, yes. Oh, the lushness hey. of August, September. Wow. It's, it's a yeah. good year, it seems, right? Well, yeah. I mean... Irregardless of, of you know the weather changes, the drought, and the, the yeah. drought, and the, the high temperatures. I mean, you know, I live in the Bay Area, and you can count on the fog or local air conditioning. Well, it, the changes have resulted in there is much less fog going on. But even with that, the quality of the fruit we're seeing is is truly outstanding. And when I mean quality, I'm talking about the the eatability of it. Yeah. Eatability? Uh, eatability. That's Eatab a great word. Eatability. <laughs> what's the what's the hot <laughs> item this week? I mean, it's it's hard to pick because everything is coming in right now, but what is yeah. what's standing out for you right now walking the dock? Well, I tell you, this time of year is it's, so, it's there are so many choices, and these are. This is one of my favorite ones, and that is figs. Mm. Um, you know, nice. we, I think California grows ninety-eight to hundred uh, percent of the oh, domestic that figs. That much? Wow! Yeah, and to have. I mean, a lot of people are familiar with the dried ones. Mm -hmm, uh, sure. that, that's pretty staple. But to have fresh ones, so much of the country isn't in the marketing area that they they're sure they just haven't tried them um, it's an interesting thing that you bring up because it's so different it's like saying a dried it's a dried fig is to a fresh fig what a raisin is to a grape they are so yeah. completely it's a different, different produce item it really is, it is they completely could, yeah. they might different. as well not be related yeah, i feel that absolutely. way absolutely you're saying domestic that's a big differentiation because i i do 
see almost year-round figs from overseas and actually quite a bit away. Turkish figs come to mind, mostly not fresh fruit at that point. Yeah. But that's a there are big growing regions in the hotter areas of Europe, of course, Israel, those areas. But for domestic, it's California, and we are talking fresh right now. And most of it is yeah. fresh, right? They, they don't even dry California, or do, do they well, dry it too? No, no, they do. They do. Uh, you know, part... That's a great advantage for the grower too, because there's always a portion of of the fresh fruit that doesn't make it to the market for any nice. number of reasons. A lot of them cosmetic and sizing. So to be able to go to the processing uh, with that is, is a great advantage. It cuts for the, the loss, right? Yeah, of course. Exactly, That's and great. that and and that is what the fig needs is a very hot weather, hot uh, hot days, very warm nights and then uh, dry conditions. That's the optimum growing condition. It's so interesting and, because we were talking the other week about small fruit and how there weren't enough chill hours early in the year because the temperatures right. have been so hot. So for what for one fruit might be a little <laughs> bit abnormal, um, if for another fruit is like heaven. So the, the yep. hotter it's been has actually produced, are we going to say, some, some really, really exceptional fig? Well, yes, I think it has been. And uh, not only... So the most popular and familiar is the Black Mission. But there are good, at least a good other six other varieties that, that stand out. Uh, and that is where I think what I'm seeing this year is the advantage. The green, the, the yellow varieties are just exceptional. And I'm talking about the varieties of an Excel, an Adriatica, Calmyra, and a Cadota. Those are all the green. And the flavor on those, generally speaking, other than the Adriatic, which is incredibly off the hook they're generally mild but this year again maybe that's part of the lack of water they've they've intensified really? uh they're very focused and very very sweet so what are the nuances uh, between those and i know there's a candy striped is that right that's another one right yeah what are, when you really uh, you are in the really ridiculous position to be able to taste 10 different figs <laughs> when you buy them and say, okay, yeah. these four, you know, need a couple more days, whatever, uh, mm -hmm. this varieties, but th these are all here. When you taste 10 different figs, which most of us never do in their lives, what are the nuances you're getting? Yeah. Like, well, how different are they really? You know, first of all, one of the things I learned pretty quickly was everybody's got their own taste buds. And I'll, have, I'll, I'll say, wow, this is really very sweet. Somebody else says, oh, this isn't. Uh, so this has this kind of flavor. Well, I taste something else. What mostly it is is in terms of intensity. Uh, and, I, and the other words to use would be maybe focus, that it, it's just very uh, intense and generally is sweetness and flavor. Where it's acute, meaning it's impressive. It's big. So it goes from that big, intense, focused flavor and, and sweetness to, to everything down where a yellow one is going to be more of a floral, more of a, a bouquet to it. Uh, and, and then its taste is not hugely impactful. It's going to knock your socks off. It's going to be like it, it sits, in your, mouth. Right, it sits right. in your mouth for a while, and you go, oh, that is very nice. It does get very nuanced. Uh, I mean, it becomes almost kind of uh, you know extraordinary sense. You're, you're talking you know, like a wine connoisseur. And again, it can be very much also when you're getting them in their post-harvest. Sure. First of all, all, all figs are going to be picked ripe. They're not going to ripen. But what they do do is go through a moisture change. And what I like to do is buy figs, bring them home, and let them sit on my counter. And I will, I will feel them. I eat them by feel. The softer they are, the more ready they are to eat. 
Well, and this is something that it changed my fig eating experience when I learned this from you, which is basically when they're about at the point where you think I should maybe throw these out because they're starting (laughs) either to burst at the seams or they're starting just before they start to shrivel. Like you said, that moisture change has made it so it's so jammy on the inside. You're going to get the most, I think that's your word, but sure. Thanks for the, (laughs) (laughs) thanks for the acknowledgement. But uh, that's, that's the time to eat them. Yeah, exactly. And don't be afraid. So what I'll do, I'll buy, and and maybe a portion of your basket, they're going to come in a basket or a clamshell, put maybe a couple of them in the refrigerator, but not too cold. What I've been doing lately is wrapping them in a cloth and putting them in a compartment, kind of protecting them a little bit. And I leave uh, a portion of them out and and I check them uh, several times a day and I just eat them as they become soft. And boy, they're they're just, it's an incredible experience to allow yourself to to really eat something good. You know, we do a lot of sampling and uh, introducing something like this to people that go, oh, no, I don't like figs or I've never had one, and to pick a ripe one, it is completely uh, life-changing. I love that. I love I love the, the image of you uh, putting <laughs> a few figs in it. It's like from pig in a blanket to fig in a blanket. You basically <laughs> build a little sleeping bag, and then you put them in the compartment, and then two days later you talk to them. Oh, I, I want your world and your life. That's just so it, fun. Yeah, I'm, I can oh, be a little, uh, a, a little freaky about it, but I tell you the reward is worth it. I know. Oh, we know. You derive We've... so much joy from it, and you've helped so many people derive joy from it. So so whether you're a fig lover or you never had them or somewhere in between, this is a year to really dive in and try through two, three different kinds. They're not that expensive. You can, you know, maybe even ask somebody to have a taste in the grocery aisle and see what yep. you like, navigate through that and or have a mixed um, a basket or a little bucket there full of figs. Um, so fun. It's it's a what? great figure, sounds like. One last feature: yes. when you're pick, when you're looking at the fruit, when you're choosing it, look for a, a full color, a deep, rich. I mean, there's a brown turkey fig, which is not going to be as dark as a black mission, but there will be a fullness to its color. And that, and same with the green, you want to you want to find a robust, full color, which cool. is going to indicate very much what the flavor's like. Wonderful. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Okay. Now. Yes. Oh, figs. Thank you, Earl. Thank That's you. so great. Fix this hey. week and we'll have you back next week. Yeah, looking forward to it already. Can you me too? To Can't to wait Thanks, to see Earl. what it is. Take care. Bye. Talk Bye. to you. Bye. Figs, fruit of the gods. And <laughs> <laughs> so is Maybe. so is music. Yes. Well, they are both very um, romantic concepts that have been incorporated into cultures as far back as we can remember, really. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think figs is one of those fruits that date back to ancient it m- does. times. It does. And of course, music, one of the first celebrations, music, dance. Wow, what an inspiring hour. It really was. <laughs> it really was. And the thing that I take away from this conversation is really that the number of opportunities that are available to you are limited only to your imagination. Yes. And it, it reminds me that if I'm ever feeling limited, if I'm ever struggling, I should just ask one of my creative friends because they can see so many options. You Have should you listen to an organic of... conversation. Oh, should, should I? Yeah, mm. because having nothing is not an excuse for, for doing, doing nothing. nothing. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, thanks for listening to this week's edition of An Organic Conversation. Thank you, Helga. Thank you, Helga. Thank you all. We'll (laughs) talk to you soon.
An Organic Conversation is a proud production of the Organic Media Network. Associate producer, Kristen Ponger. This show would not be possible without the ongoing support from our listeners. Whether it's a dollar a month or a one-time donation, please consider becoming a patron of An Organic Conversation. For more information on how to support this program, please visit patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash An Organic Conversation. Thank you for your contribution. An Organic Conversation is made possible through listeners like you and the fantastic support of our underwriters. Earl's Organic Produce, a national distributor providing certified organic fruits and vegetables for your store, home, or business since 1988. The website is earlsorganic.com. And also Fry Vineyards, America's first certified organic winery, producing organic and certified biodynamic wine. For more information, frywine.com. That's F-R-E-Y-W-I-N-E.com. Thank you as well to Bowman College, focused on holistic nutrition and culinary arts for over 20 years. Bowman College offers professional training programs that prepare individuals for careers as nutrition consultants and natural chefs. Their website is bowmancollege.org. That's B-A-U-M-A-N college.org. If you missed parts of this show or for any other episode, go to iTunes or anorganicconversation.com. And for more information, health tips, recipes, and your daily dose of inspiration, please follow us on facebook.com forward slash anorganicconversation. We are your hosts, Helga Helberg and Sitarani Palomar. And we'll be back right here, same place, same time, next week. See you then. Bye.